0: Welcome once again to another episode of the Random Access Podcast, brought to you by RAPodcast.net. This is episode 289, recorded live on Sunday, January 6th, 2013. And here are your hosts. The man whose name is David, but I call him Dave. Dave hi. Clay. The man whose name is Anthony, but they call him Andy. Andy Lowe, hi. And our guest this week, the man whose name is Austin, but we call him Smokes. Austin Smokowitz.
1: Thought it was high.
2: I thought it was smoky. But it, it's either. It's mostly on the show. It's been Smokes. Okay. No kidding.
0: Smoky works too. But then I think you're a bear and wearing a forest ranger's hat. Right. Smoky the bear. Right. He's usually. How standing. did Smoky get that hat? Did he eat the forest ranger? <laughs> is a forest
2: ranger. Yes, yeah. 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 That's what he
0: is. He is a forest ranger? Yes! it's the yeah. world's most dangerous forest ranger. <laughs> I Look at Yogi Bear, who has the, the tie. But yeah, but Yogi Bear's a cartoon. So is Smokey so is the Bear. Smokey. No, I swear, Smokey the Bear was actually a real bear. Well,
1: no, that was, uh, okay. There was a couple CG commercials with a realistic-esque Smokey for a while, but I don't know.
2: I, I don't believe there was ever a... Actual Smokey the Bear. Bear.
0: All right. okay, so his name is actually Smokey Bear. That's according to them in 19... Yeah, Smokey Bear. Smokey Bear.
1: My understanding, or at least I heard, that he was created to get people to... During World War II to prevent uh, our precious resources of wood not being burnt down to be used in the war effort. Hey, hey, don't make fun of wood. Have you played Settlers of Catan? Yes, and I have some sheep, if
2: you're looking. Do you realize how important wood
0: is? <laughs> All right, here we go. Smokey Bear was an American black bear cub who, in the spring of 1950, was caught in the Captain Gap fire in the Captain Mountains of New Mexico. He escaped the blaze, but his paws and hind legs had been burned. And so they, the uh, New Mexico Department of Game and Fish kept the cub... It nursed him back to health. Soon, Smokey was flown to the National Zoo in Washington, D.C. A special room was prepared for him at the St. Louis Zoo for an overnight fuel stop during the trip. He lived at the National Zoo for 26 years. He is buried at what is now the Smokey Bear Historical Park. One famous bear. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay.
2: Well, then. <laughs> so. So, Smokey. Yeah. Welcome. Thank you. About time. we should. <laughs> well, now, me, was- this, this, was a, this was actually a, a slightly different um, process for having a guest on in the sense that we did not reach out to Austin. Austin actually reached out to us, and that has happened, but it's very rare.
1: It's very rare, but that's because I, I have some information that I'd like to impart onto your audience, and... Um, Looking our, to get the word out. Our listener uh,
2: audience, as they say on
0: NPR. Of course. Are Man, we haven't actually listened to NPR in a long time. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Go, go drive some, 400
2: miles in one direction and then turn around and do it back, and then turn around and do it back. You listen to a lot of NPR.
1: That is true. So, <laughs> For, this, this information. So, this information, right? So uh, Aaron Hansowitz and myself, uh, you guys call him Hans, so Hans and Smokes, yes. We have... A really bad SNL skit. <laughs> we have... Smokes. Smokes. Yeah! We have, in the past six months, we've created a board game called Post-Position. And... In the next two weeks, we are taking our prototype to Unpub Three in Dover, Delaware, and we want to invite anybody who is anybody and everybody who is listening to your show to come on out to the St. Thomas More Academy in Dover, Delaware, January nineteenth and twentieth, uh, to come out and play some board games and. These are not just any board games. These are unpublished board games. So it's an entire independent, unpublished community of board game creators trying to get feedback on their prototypes. And uh, Aaron and I have a submission, and we are going to try to get it played by as many people as possible, try to get it... uh, viewed by both a couple of publishers who are going to be at the event and game store owners uh, who will also be there. Uh, It's $5 at the door, and that gets you in for both days, so it's very low cost to entry. There's over 50 games there, and I'd like to talk a little bit about what we've created, but um, I wanted to say... I wanted to first say that this is applicable to your show, because I know you guys talk mostly about video games.
2: Oh, no, no. We are an equal opportunity gaming
1: um, um, podcast. Oh, that yeah. is true. <laughs> I heard your review of Fleet, and, uh, and I thought, good. Yes, so it's not just all video games. You also see the, the, uh, the, ins- the uh, insurgence of board games. There's far more board games out there than there ever has been before.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And, uh, it's and really they're not
2: amazing. all little, <laughs> simple, ridiculous, family, fun board games. These are like serious, strategy-required board games. Of course,
1: yes. It's, um, it, it caters to hardcore gamers, and you have, of course, the whole Euro set um, of very deep-thinking, mechanical... Making sure you have processes and all all that lined up. So yes, it's it really has uh, taken off, and um, we are kind of we are jumping in on it. We call ourselves we we call ourselves Doctor Wits board game board games because but, he's but, he's, okay, he's so how do you spell Witt's. that? That is okay. Yes, that is Doctor Wits. That's W I C T Z. You can go to our we have a Facebook page, so you can look it up. That's Dr. Witz, W-I-C-T-Z. Uh of course that's Aaron Hansowitz and I am Austin Smokowitz. So we are Dr. Witz. Wow. Yeah. That's
0: actually a neat idea. That was when I first it took me a while to figure out what it meant. I was like, Doc first off, and trying to pronounce it in your head. Mm-hmm. Doctor Legs.
1: Yeah, we're not going to run into any copyright issues <laughs> this way. <laughs> One would hope. So uh, so we got a page up. We actually have a little bit of uh, some a nice little bit of buzz already from the, the game. We uh, took post position to the Congress of Gamers, which is a um, conference that is held out in, up here in Rockville, Maryland. Um, they are uh, the the uh, Unpub group, uh, Car Trunk, they had a protozone going on in conjunction with the Congress of Gamers. And we just showed up with our prototype. And uh, a lot of people were very curious and uh, started to play. And they got a very good response. And we're uh, hoping to carry that over to uh, Unpub 3 on Dover.
0: All right, now I'm curious because I was reading... Uh, now- the preview of this game, or some of the, the previous things you have on your Facebook page about this. And is this true that this was actually created at Aaron Hanswitz's bachelor party?
1: That is true. So, so Aaron Hanswitz got married uh, back in June. It was, was that July? I think it was July. Come on, Andy, you were there. I know, I was there. We were, so, we were both there.
0: I couldn't... When was Hans married? Said. that... I think it was June. It might have been June. It's probably still on our fridge, but yeah. I can't see our fridge from... I can literally see the save the date from here, but I can't read it.
1: So, of course, with with Aaron... July 14th. July 14th. So it was July, yes. So with Aaron being the kind of guy he is, um, I was basically put in charge of putting together his bachelor party. And we... Um, And because of Hans being the way he is, we basically had a uh, no booze, no sex, um, um, no chocolate bachelor party. And we tried to get together as many people as we could to play some flag football from five on five to in touch football. Of course, we decided to do this on what turned out to be the hottest day of the year in D.C. It got up to like 112 degrees and we're out in a field uh, playing football. That's not the (laughs)
0: smartest move.
1: No, not the smartest move. So as you can imagine, we didn't do that much playing of football. Uh, We spent time underneath a pavilion um, eating snacks and sandwiches. And um, apparently Aaron had promised that I was going to bring a game with me. And some of the people who showed up came because they thought I was going to have a game with me and when it turned out that we didn't there was a, there was a little mumble of disappointment and and Hans is like now that's okay we'll make one so we start like ripping up sheets of paper we start grabbing some stones off the off the uh <laughs> off the ground around the pavilion and we're like okay because we had been I I own this board game called Daytona 500 and it's a it's a car game it's a It's a stock car game. And um, it's a stock car game. And um, we started, we had been, we had talked to each other a little bit about how to turn that into like a, it only holds four. But we're like, well, what if you had like seven or eight people? Well, instead of owning a car, maybe you own stocks in a car. And then everybody, then you can have multiple people and they could all have a bit of ownership of a car. Now, I real quick. This this. Wait, I should explain what this game is.
2: Well, hey, I I just want to double check. This idea did not also happen to come from this this hotel mergers game, perhaps that we've been playing online.
0: No, no this happened before he got not. married, and I don't think we were playing mergers last That's year. Right. Okay, just yeah, around check. July.
1: That is uh, that is correct. We hadn't started that yet. Um, And so we had been talking about, well let's get you know, let's try to make this into a multiplayer game. So we kinda had that those discussions in the background, you know, we had those discussions like two, three weeks beforehand, but then when we're at the bachelor party, you know, drinking water, trying not to sweat ourselves to death, we're like, okay, well we're not gonna go run around outside. Let's just let's try to take the stock portion of this, the this, this shared ownership and to run a race out of it. So we're ripping up sheets of paper to make stocks and we're grabbing stones and we're like, okay, well, these are going to be the, the things, but it's not going to be car racing. It's going to be horse racing. And well, we didn't really play a game, but, um, <laughs> by the end of the week, <laughs> 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 by because everybody else was like, okay, you're, you're making this now? No, that's just, that's absurd. You don't have any rules. You don't have any, you have nothing to go on. But uh, the idea was seeded, and within two weeks, we had a basic set of the rules for this. Um, and we call it post-position. So this is a, post-position is a horse race game. So it's a no-luck horse race game with a real-time stock market. And it's a party game. It is meant to be played with three to twelve people. So this Ooh. is a, yeah, this is a big game. I mean, it's a big player game, you know, multiplayer game. Um, the more people you have, the better it actually works as a game. So it only takes about it only takes about an hour and a half to play, and. Usually a good 15 minutes of that is just somewhat explaining the rules and answering any questions. So once you have a group of people who know what they're doing, it should clock in right around an hour, an hour 15. And what you do is that there's a field of 12 horses that run one race around the track. And every turn, players secretly record Uh, Horse movements to determine how far a horse moves in one of the five legs of this race. There's, you know, you have stretches, you have your home stretch, home stretch, back stretch, the first turn, second turn, and depending on where the horses are on the track, depends on how many and how far they move. But the idea is you get to write down the secret information that only you know, and then with with everybody having this secret information in mind comes the heart of the game there is a four minute trading phase during which, at which point players buy, sell, and even create stocks of these horses and buy and sell them to each other. And uh, when that four minute period is over, the, all the moves are revealed and the horses move around the track and the next leg begins. The important part about all this is that at the end of the race, the top six horses pay out to their shareholders. So if you're holding shares of one of the first six horses in this race, you get paid money. And of course, the game is one race, and at the end of the race, the player with the most money wins. So you want to be holding on to stocks of these winning horses. And what makes this so fun is that you don't, you're not, when you start the game, you're not betting on a single horse. There's nothing, particular about any of the horses that makes one better than the other but what you do is you try you're trying to figure out which horses will end up moving further because there's a because of that big group dynamic if all the if the entire group thinks or pushes one of the horses if you can figure that out you might want to get some stock of that horse as it moves up during the course of the race so at the beginning of the race uh, this would just be a moment and we can you, you, i heard you andy um so at the beginning of the race before the race begins the bank auctions off one hard stock of each of the horses But then after that during the race players will end up creating more shares of the horse it's just that at the end of the race any share that you created you will have to pay out as opposed to the bank but the reason you want to create shares is because if you give a share to somebody and that horse finishes seventh or lower, you don't owe them anything and they just gave you free money. Oh. They give you free money. So it's a very, it's a, it's a very much a, it's a somewhat of a, it's a, it's a risk reward. There's a little bit of a push your luck element. There's a, there's a kind of a, a ferreting out of information because everybody knows who, what horses they're moving, but they don't know what horses other people have moved and because you're buying and selling stocks, you get that information by trying to buy or sell stocks of a horse. You want to buy low and sell high.
2: Sounds like a game where having a degree in business would be an advantage.
0: Well, not only that, you. This, is, nice. this sounds like a game where you're playing. You're not really playing the game. You're playing each other.
1: There is a there is a little bit of that. Yes, yes, you are. You we you create the market and. But well, what's fun about this, David, is that we've had people come in from, you know, during our pro play tests, we've had people that have had no business experience, actually have no stock market experience and walk away having a good time and having fun and actually being involved because a lot of this, a lot of the mechanics are so very simple that, um, that all again, all you're doing is you're moving horses and you're trying to... Buy horses that are going to that you think are going to do well, and you're trying to sell horses that you think are going to do poorly. And nearly every you know everybody that we talk to gets this concept, and it's uh, it's a really it's been a fascinating thing to watch uh, play tests play out um, with that with that.
0: Now, Austin, do you mind if we kind of go back a little bit? Because I'm curious about Absolutely. how you handled the whole play test process.
1: Well, it. Um, well, we have a prototype, of course. Yeah. Uh, we have a, a fully functioning, fully functional set of the game, and you know, at first we've played um, we played one or two games over at Aaron's house with with Colette and uh, a couple of people that were around. Um, but then our first real chance to get a couple groups together was during the Congress of Gamers, and we were able to play four games out there. Um, with a number of people who showed up, who you know wandered into the playtest area, it was like, "Hey, well, you know, oh, it holds a lot of people. Okay, well, let's sit down and let's play." And uh, and that uh, that was really good. And part of this is that um, you know we are now part of the unpub system because not not only is unpub putting on Car trunk putting on unpub three, but they also have a development area. They have they are more of an ongoing process of trying to help out people who created unpublished games. And, you know, at that event people fill out you know, people fill out filled out some informational forms about what they thought of the game. So we get feedback uh from it as well. And um Aaron was actually playing this with his family over the holidays up in Michigan. And uh, you know got some good got even some good feedback from that at at least in the fact that people who want to play enjoyed it
0: now did you discover anything that was game breaking during these play tests or did you have you what have you changed since you went from the bachelor party prototype to your current situation (laughs)
1: Well, um, there's there's been a few changes. At first, we thought let's do a triple crown theme. It's horse racing, so let's do the triple crown. And we discovered that after playing one race, you were done. (laughs) After you know one one race, you know you think oh, you only have four minute moves and you have five turns, so you know well that's only twenty minutes of gameplay. So you should be able to knock this out in like 45 minutes but you know it ends up really taking about an hour because people think about what horses they're going to move you adjudicate everything on the board and so after after a couple play tests like hmm, yeah okay so this is going to be one race if you really, if you want to go on, we have rules to be able to do a triple crown if you so wish. But I, I assume it's not called the triple crown currently, no, no, though, no, because no, there's no. Um,
2: okay. some licensing issues may
1: come in there. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Actually, at first I was calling it uh, Pole Position, and you still might see it referenced somewhere as Pole Position, but as you no know, the right there's the there's the arcade game of Pole Position. So it's like, okay, well, and that's not really horse racy anyway. It's more car. Oh, it's play. still racy. It's still racy. But, uh, so it, it's post-position. And um, so there was a name change. There was that. Uh, a lot of it really, a lot of the changes in development... Has been really focusing on the rules, the rule set of how you handle specific situations. But as far as breaking the game or solving the game, ever since we came up with the concept, Aaron has been Hanswitz has been working hard to try to solve the game. Uh, he has a couple of interesting strategies, but he can't solve it. He, he can't break it. So.
0: Good so we can't flood the market with stock, or
1: well you could I mean okay so you're so I'm going to sell you horse say Tt, and I will sell you a whole bunch of stock for it, right? The only problem is that I am now incurring the risk of having to pay you um, all those shares of stocks because what's interesting about this game is that unlike a you know how like in a, in a stock market game you buy stocks, well then the price of the stock moves up or down, right? Yeah. But in this game, the only thing you're concerned about is the payout at the end, and that payout doesn't fluctuate. So the, whichever horse comes in first place pays out $22 to every shareholder, to every share that someone's owning, that holds of that horse. It doesn't matter how many shares of that horse I've created, I will always have to pay out $22 per share of that horse when he comes across the finish line, and that will probably bankrupt me. <laughs> I, what happens,
0: okay, and I'm just curious about this, what happens if you do sell a whole bunch of shares and you run out of money before you're actually able to pay out all right. of your uh, winnings?
1: Right, that, that, that gets into the bankruptcy rules whereby
0: every... Of course there are bankruptcy rules. Why did I not think about
1: that? Of course, Andy. I mean, really. (laughs) There are bankruptcy rules, but luckily, but it's not a deterrent to the game, to understanding the game, because that happens at the very end of the game. So, like, you could be foolish and do as many crazy things as you want, but the consequences don't really hit home until the very last turn. Um, Usually what happens is people realize in the last leg of the race... Like as, they're, as the horses are coming down the home stretch, players realize that, oh no, I am way over, I have way too many stocks out and these are all these are all pretty bad bets. And what they end up doing during that final trading phase is trying to buy their shares back from other people or trading shares that they have with shares that other people have um, to try to negate and uh, try to destroy those shares so that they don't end up paying off those people. Um, and I know what you're also saying is that, well, what if I run out of money halfway through, right? That's, that's basically your question. Yeah. And what's nice about this is because everybody is able to create any share of any horse. So if you're sitting there with no money, what you need to try to do is sell some horses,
0: So there could be horse A, lucky loser, or something Mm -hmm. in the lead, and you you don't have any money, but you could say, "Hey, I've got a share of lucky loser now. I'm selling it for twenty bucks to somebody."
1: Exactly, and that would be that would if somebody if 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 lucky loser is right around there at the front, and they're looking to stay in the front, then somebody will definitely buy that share for twenty dollars because then they'll make a two dollar profit.
0: Yeah, Mm -hmm. the end
1: of it. So, yes. That is, and and again, everybody's able to create shares of these horses. Um, And that's part part of the other interesting part about this game is that every, you care about every single horse. You don't pick three and then, you know, try to ride it. You're trying to, you're caring about those horses who win, you care about those horses who lose, because you make money off, you can make money off of the horses that lose, and you can make money off of horse the horses that win. So you, it's a you're fully involved with the process.
0: Hmm. Now, do you have names for these horses or no?
1: Well, right now we've kept it we've kept it fairly generic. Every horse. At first, I was like, oh, we'll just name the horses 1 through 12. No, that doesn't work when you're trying to buy numbers. numbers
0: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'll buy 6 of 12 and another 10 of 2. Exactly. And then 12 of (laughs) 6.
1: So what we've done is instead is we have initials. So CF, ND, AA, RS. So you'll say, I want to buy 2 of LC, 3 of TT. Everyone loves TT. But... Uh, we kept it initials so that any game group can come up with any real name for the horse that they want, and at the same time, each of the, of the initials that we have used have all come from either Triple Cup winners or initials of horses that have won at least one or two of the uh, of the Triple Cup races. So we have GF, uh, which is, what who is that? Well, we have WA, so we have War Admiral and etc., etc., but they don't have to be... You, no one's...
0: Do you have it. an MW?
1: Yes. Man of War. Man of Man War, War. Yeah. Man of War in there.
0: What do you do for just Secretariat?
1: <laughs> right. I, t- I, I took... Yeah, I, I just... Guess made the, a...
2: No? Anyone? Anyone? Sorry, going? What, was, what was that? Sorry, the audit. To... For Secretariat? Hmm. I don't get it. Mm-hmm. Secretary's name was big red uh, and in uh, fact that's what they had wanted to i believe that's what they had wanted to name it but there had been another horse named that and all the horse names have to be unique mm-hmm.
1: I, mean, I took horse knight, horses that specifically had two names had uh, two words in their name just to not have that confusion okay yeah but um so yeah that's uh that's, that's our game that's and if a, it, and if anybody wants to come out and play it again, we're we're going to be in Dover, Delaware, in two weeks, January nineteenth and twentieth, at the St. Thomas More Academy. Gaming starts at ten a.m. both days. Again, it's five dollars at the door that gets you in for both days. And we're not the only people there. I mean, we we have uh, you know there's going to be over fifty games at this convention. I think the last count was fifty-seven. So you can get your hands and you can hands-on and see. Uh, a lot of independent uh independent board games.
2: So Andy, yeah. I need you to go out to Delaware.
0: <laughs> it's a bit of a drive even for me. More of a drive for me.
1: Yeah. Well if there's anyone in the region. Um... <laughs>
2: yeah. Well cool. I'm I'm glad to hear that you guys are working on this. I'm excited for it. Thank Let you. Let me know how the playtesting goes at Unpub. And if you uh, manage to contact any publishers or distributors?
1: Thank you. We we shall see. Um, get if out you
2: there. guys get uh, uh, another website up besides the Facebook page, and we could still link the Facebook page, Andy and I will get that on our site as well. Thank you. We'd be happy to, to link out to that. I don't know uh, if Andy is happy, but I'll be happy, and I'm going <laughs> to run the website anyway, so it really doesn't matter what Andy
0: thinks there. Oh, that's wonderful. Thank you, guys. I'm just biding my time. <laughs> I have no what I idea what I meant by that. I'm just biding <laughs> my time.
2: Biding your time until you figure out how to code a website, Andy? Something like that. It's not an automatic process. It it, it does take effort. You can't just be like, and now I know how. <laughs> what do you mean? This isn't the Matrix? No. <laughs> no. I'm trying to think of a, a way to move from Matrix to one of our topics, and I'm failing. We should wow. probably talk about the topics, well, though.
0: Yeah. Unless, uh, I mean, if you have more questions for Austin, we can... No, I think I'm good on this game right now. Yeah. It seems very interesting. I'm very curious to try and play it with Hansowitz. I feel like I would get my, um,
1: horse handed to me. But Not necessarily. Um, yeah. You know, uh... is, if it helps, I could say that uh, there, there there are a couple other games out there that I'm looking forward to playing. There's one called uh, East India Company by uh, Paul Owens. We met him back at Congress of Gamers. He's uh, got a pick-up-and-deliver uh, board game where you're managing a fleet in the 18th century, trying to buy and sell goods uh, from Asia, bringing it back to Europe. should be fun. And there's another guy out there who um, who's created a tower. You guys know tower defense games, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so he's created a tower defense co-op board game, and uh, it's Tom Callahan. I'm actually really curious to see how, uh, how he implements the genre in a board game format from that of, a, uh, from that of the mobile gaming platform. Hmm. Any of that help you get into topics? Um, Nothing to draw off of there.
0: Well, my question is, has anybody decided to try kickstarting any of these?
1: um i at this uh, part of the rules of unpub uh, to be a part a game in unpub you have to not be at that stage yet there's um one of their games called Viva java who they had featured prominently the last couple uh you know in the last year and who actually has a dice game has a shorter dice game out this year that's going to be at unpub three um his game was kickstarted, but at that point, you're you know you're no longer considered really unpublished if you're got your game out and and sold. So.
2: so not yet, but it's something so not that not is yet. perhaps be uh, is being considered.
1: Yes, um, it is being considered. Depends on you know if we we find a publisher. We we have to get a fan base. We have to get you know we have to get a fan base. We got to get a publisher that's interested, or you know we'll see. We want to see how that goes first because it is a lot easier. When you have a company that does this sort of thing behind you, um, instead of trying to do it all yourself from scratch. Yep. Well,
0: speaking of Kickstarter... Hey, look at that! All right! Hey! Well done, Andy.
2: War for the Overworld has been uh, successfully funded. What? War for the Overworld, the Dungeon Keeper Evil Genius style game. Hmm. That I've been bugging you about, saying, hey, this is relevant to your interests. That has an endorsement from Peter Molyneux. I don't remember this. Who made Dungeon Keeper? I don't remember this. Okay. Andy pays no attention to Dave.
0: No. How do no, we I get don't. this show
2: out the door? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Neither of us listen to each other. How the hell do we publish this? <laughs> I I don't know. Okay, Andy, what's your Kickstarter news? Um, remember? Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Well, they're, um, oh, yeah. they seem to have some they've competition now. Their, well, they've shipped out their, their development kits. People well, have... Oh, yes. Now, the, the, there's also another one um, oh, called GameStick, Game yes. Yeah. They're planning uh, according to their... First off, they've already hit their pledge goal. Mm-hmm. And their timeline says... That the they are going to be out to the public by April thirteenth, which is right around the same time. Oh yeah, it will also be out there. Uh huh.
2: Well, that's interesting.
0: And all this one is is a controller with a built-in dongle. Well, not a built-in dongle, but a dongle that connects the controller wirelessly. So all you have to do is plug it into an HDMI slot anywhere, grab the controller, and play. Really. Mm-hmm. Where is everything stored? On the controller or on the dongle? My guess is on the controller, because that has a bigger physical footprint, so you probably could actually store huh. a hard
1: drive in there. That'd make it a little heavier. Yeah. Huh. But what games will you play off of the Oya and the GameStick?
0: Most likely the uh,
2: Android. Android. It's an Android OS, so it will be Android Games. Now, the I other kicker
0: is the, uh, oh, yeah, it has to have, uh, I think, like, free-to-play games or something like that. Or free to, something free-related. But the GameStick is saying that they're, they're going to do it where you can actually just buy the games outright or something like that. Whoa. But still, it's just any TV that you're going to, just pop it in, plug it in, fits in your pocket. I don't know. It seems interesting. It seems, my guess is it's not going to be the million dollar blow up that Oya was. But still right now with 25 days to go, they just started a couple days ago. Uh, they're at $230,000. So, I hmm what do you think, Andy? I I don't know. I'm probably not going to get either one of these, so it's more of just a theoretical at the moment.
2: That's I mean so so look at it this way if it's actually running Android, could you put things like Netflix on it?
0: Ooh, <laughs> Netflix in my pocket. No matter whose TV I go to. Yeah. Hmm. That would be interesting.
2: I mean, it's still like an eighty-dollar device, even with the discounted
0: method. Yeah. Well, it's still what the oh yeah is what ninety-nine dollars. Mm-hmm. So. Are are we concerned about Vaporware on this one? Well, I'm cons- I'm always concerned about Vaporware when it comes to Android games. Or Kickstarter. <laughs> or Kickstarter, yeah. Austin, do you have a smartphone?
1: Uh, Yes, I do. I have a Nokia Lumia with uh, Windows 7.5 on. <laughs> Windows 7 phone? <laughs> yep, yeah, Windows 7 phone.
2: Or Windows Phone
1: 7, 7 rather. 7, 7, Windows Phone 7, mm-hmm. that's right. It's actually a big upgrade for me. I mean, I for the longest time, I just had one uh, um, the old flippy chip phones. So.
0: Yeah, Kate just, yeah. Uh, well, we had to get a new phone because Kate's phone, which was my old phone, um, stopped charging. So we actually got a new um, phone yesterday. And on a side note, I now have a data plan on my phone.
1: I just keep thinking about that if I'm supposed to take this out and then plug it into the TV, like that'd be a real pain to make that work on my TV unless I just plug it in there and keep it there. Well, you just, yeah, leave it in there. But then that kind of defeats the whole portable wherever you go
2: part. Well, but the idea is, like, you're going to go travel, unplug it from your TV. It's a a small unit that you would be able to pack up very easily Mm -hmm. and then plug it back in wherever you go. Yeah,
0: because you know every hotel now has got a TV with an HDMI input on it. That's true.
1: That's true.
0: Which sucks for them trying to sell all their... Video on demand stuff, but I think video on demand is going to be disappearing. Outside of things like Netflix,
1: mm-hmm. yeah, help bring it along. Unintended consequence: you create this thing to play games, and all everyone does is use it take it on business trips to to watch movies.
2: Yep. Well, we'll keep an eye on this. This is kind of interesting. I'm I'm very curious about what they're going to do with it. I'm looking at the controller, and it's. I mean, it's basically an Xbox controller, right? Given the positions
0: of the analog sticks. That's what it looks like. I just don't. Are there any uh, shoulder buttons or anything?
2: I, it it looks, looks like there's at least one. Like huh. Well, oh, we'll be find interested out.
0: if they both come out to the public in April. Yep. Yep, yep. So speaking of Windows. Speaking of Windows. Windows 8. Yes, has been out for some time. Yes. But if you compare the Windows 8 timeline to the Vista timeline based off of their public launch. Okay. Windows 8 currently is at around 1.6% of all Windows PCs. Windows Vista at the same time was at 2.2%. So low adoption rate. (laughs) Lower than what we would call a failure.
1: Yeah. People didn't... No, it was necessarily a failure coming into it right
2: i mean so so some of it is that windows vista was a massive change from what had been prior to it and windows 8 isn't it really isn't i mean it it really isn't really metro metro is just the splash page andy Metro is not the entire UI, it's just the splash page.
0: But still, that's the first thing anybody sees. Yeah, and then they all disable it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, no, no, you and I disable it. I don't know if... Well, uh, I don't have Windows 8, so I don't worry about it. Neither do I, but it's still... it, It seemed like it was too much too fast, which Vista was not too fast. Vista was... Too slow. Too slow,
1: way too slow. Huh didn't realize you could disable that. I mean, you go into, like, a Best Buy, and they have all of the new computers with Windows 8 up, and they're all on Metro. You don't get the impression that you can switch Yeah, well, because the
2: the idea is that you aren't supposed to. Oh, well, there you go. But you can.
1: Yeah. It was just
0: like with Windows <laughs> 7, how you it didn't have a taskbar on there, but you could just add it. Yeah. Or so Windows like,
2: 8 has not been selling. I mean, also... You have to keep in mind the relative markets at the time. So Vista came out; PCs were exploding again. People were going nuts, and Eight has come out, and there's been a pretty significant um, um, reduction in PC sales. Right? Everyone's buying, No one's buying computers
0: for Christmas. They're buying tablets. That is true. That is true. Which is interesting. That actually brings up two topics. One. Okay. The fact. That 50 million iOS and Android devices were registered between December 25th and January 1st. 50 million? 50 million. That is a lot of devices. Wow. At that that same time, in that same span, 1.76 billion apps were downloaded.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. Is that number worldwide or just the U.S. market?
0: Oh, that's worldwide. The U.S. had 604 million. It's a lot of apps. So, the U.S. is still about half the market, it seems, for smartphones. Yeah. And that's,
1: and that's so what's still... 50
0: that's, million Android and iOS devices, because everybody gets them for Christmas.
2: Yeah. yeah. Now, it, it would be kind of interesting to know what that number is without iPod Touches. But
0: iPod <laughs> or, Touch or is still shuffle. an iOS device. It still has internet cool. connectivity. Yeah, but...
1: It, <laughs> yeah, but there's a difference between getting, like, a Shuffle that has some of those capabilities, too, and yeah. getting yourself an iPad
0: what, 4. I think they just call it the iPad now. Yeah, yeah. They, they've I removed have, the numerals. Which Apple I
1: learned from habit. listening to your show. Apple, I did that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I actually learned that fact by listening to your show. Good. I realized that they had upgraded to iPad 4 so yep. soon after... I got the iPad 3
2: Oh, oh awesome oh, yeah. you, got, you got one of the burned
1: Yeah, I did Oh, I'm sorry Oh, well, didn't know it until now So <laughs> <laughs> had no idea Lived in
0: blissful ignorance until this podcast Hey, is there anything physically wrong with his iPad? No
2: No I mean, it's an iPad Yes, it is
1: so, There's nothing on, wrong with an iPad. On your view, that's the answer right there. It has a screen and everything.
0: <laughs> but the second aspect of this was the fact, remember the EPC?
1: Yeah, yeah vaguely. Really and the computer. Acer
0: Atom? Yes. Those little They're tiny netbooks? Really... The
1: EPC. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, no one talks about that anymore,
0: do think? Yeah, especially since both of them have decided to stop producing them. Oh. Who made E? That was Acer? Uh, Austech. Austech? Or As- AsusTech. A-S-U-S-T-E-K. Asus. So it's Asus. Yeah. So we have Acer and Asus, and both of them have,
2: they, they're killing their netbook lines? Yep. Oh, Oops. Well, there
0: goes that. Well, it, it, to me, when I looked at them, it's like, it almost seemed like they were a stopgap piece of hardware.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I could agree with that. But did you know it at the time?
0: No, at the time it
1: started getting big, you're like, "This is the way of the future."
2: No, no, wasn't the way of the future. It was clear that it was everything's moving back to terminal-based computing, and I think if you go through our archives, I've said that a couple times.
0: I think we've all said that a
2: couple of times. But I mean, if you look at Kickstarter and and some of the games on there, it's pretty clear that PC is not dead yet, and like desktop PC is where you have the power locally.
0: The only time I actually saw one of these physically um, in person mm-hmm. was the fact that um, somebody at school at Eastern had an EPC. Yep. Some girl, she's like, yeah, my dad got this for me. It's nice. Especially since you're at school and you have the tiny little desks in the big auditorium classrooms.
2: Mm-hmm. So you just have the laptop up on the desk?
0: Yeah, where it actually, you know, all fits on that little tiny desk.
2: Yep. My favorite thing to come out of this was Apple saying, we will never, ever, ever do a netbook, and then the MacBook Air comes out.
0: The MacBook right. Air is not a netbook. It's It it's falls into the same stopgap niche. I don't know. The, the power of a MacBook Air versus the power of an EPC, they're, they're completely, yeah, but completely it, different it's things. Still
2: fa- no, it still falls into that, like, this is not a full-fledged laptop. But we we recognized the need for portable computing and until they brought out the iPad, that was it.
0: Yeah. Which that's basically what the MacBook Air was, was an iPad with a built in keyboard. Keyboard, right. <laughs> and not a touch screen. No. Austin, what are you using? My guess is you have an Apple oh, with final cut the on it. iPad. And
1: an iPad. I have uh, right. I have an iPad. I have a uh, MacBook. Not sorry. No, I have a. Uh, I have an iMac. Um, running what was it Snow Leopard and uh, with Final Cut Pro. Yes.
0: <laughs> it's it's just one of those things. If you yeah. know somebody who does any sort of video editing.
1: Yes, but not no. There's a. Uh, I have Final Cut Pro Seven, not Final Cut Pro X. A little bit of a difference there.
0: Oh yeah, um, FCX yeah. is yes, yeah,
1: yeah. They're still trying to make a push to make that, um, you know, to make that more viable in the editing space. But it's, it's going to take a while <laughs> before people really start to adopt it.
0: Heck, I so, know sense. people who are still using some of the old versions of Avid mm-hmm. and Pinnacle. It's one of those things, if you get an editor who knows what they're doing with a piece of hardware and software, they don't want to change. That's right. Well, you have to relearn everything. Yeah. Yeah. I pain. think somebody had written a, a, basically an add-on for FCX that I moved like some of the menus around and put some of the shortcuts from 7 into it or something like that. It's like, hey, it's a new piece of hardware. We'll make it look exactly like the old one. <sighs> software. Software. Sorry, in my head, I just think Final Cut, Apple, one thing. No. They, they are not. But in any case, what else we have? Oh, okay, so two pieces of interesting news. Yes. First one, Sony has a patent now for... Yes.
2: this. this was interesting.
0: Go on. Okay, so the idea is the fact there's basically an RFID chip on the disk... You insert the disc into your PlayStation. PlayStation reads the RFID chip and basically links it forever. It imprints its own code onto the RFID chip. So the only PlayStation that can play that disc is yours and yours alone. Yes. All right, Dave, why is this interesting? Because I've got a reason why this is interesting. Well,
2: it's interesting in that as it is described, it will never happen. How so? Sony isn't stupid enough to completely block out other people. So this this is described as a means of preventing used game sales. Yes, uh, because you know my game won't work on Andy's console. I can't let him buy it from me. I also can't let him borrow it. I also can't go to his place and play it. I also can't borrow his PlayStation because mine broke and play it on his PlayStation in my house on my TV with my stuff. Um, and, and what it really is is a method for publishers to do this, to do what they're already doing with the online pass.
1: Interesting.
2: Now, look, <laughs> at, look at the used game market. Who's out there? There's, of course, GameStop, mm-hmm. Best Buy, Walmart. Walmart. Look at who sells the majority of PlayStations. Best Buy, Walmart, (laughs) GameStop. GameStop. Do you really think Sony would be stupid enough to... I've said this before when Microsoft was talking about doing this. That these companies would be that desperate and that stupid to anger these stores. Now...
0: Which, now, unfortunately, the market is not quite as intelligent. No, which is the, the first of two points that I want to bring up about this. First one, as soon as this was announced to the world, prices Game, for GameStop shares of their stock... Dropped by percent 7%. 7%? Yes. When it was all said and done, they had dropped by 7%. Now it's climbed back up from that. Yeah. But still, the knee-jerk reaction was, oh my god, GameStop's going down now because of this.
2: Yeah, like, oh no, they'll never be able to... Like, they'll go out of business. Yeah, not so much.
0: Which everybody in the video game industry said what Dave says. We do not think this is a likely result.
2: You're all idiots. Sorry.
0: Which, second point is... Now this patent was filed on September twelfth, twenty twelve. 2012, but the purpose, the reason why I linked this specific article on the Escapist about this, because they had a link back to a similar DRM technology that Sony had talked about for using in the PS three back in two thousand and six. Yep. Where was the knee jerk reaction back then? There wasn't any. There oh, might I'm have sure been. There well, there there was. One I'm sure because there was. One up definitely has an article about this back in two thousand and six. But basically, Sony had this for six years now, and now all of a sudden, it's crazy. No, it was crazy back then. Andy, don't you remember this? We probably do. Well, no, this was before we started This was 2006.
2: This was before we recorded, but after we were looking at the industry and watching it. We knew about this. And we said, like, they're idiots. We also said, oh my god, GameStop is going to, you know, suffer for this if it actually goes through.
1: But... It's not going to go, like nothing's going to happen with it. No. Though it is interesting technology. Yes. It and is the, interesting. The concept technology, of putting a chip on the, the disk. On the disk itself. I was just wondering how easy it would be to remove said chip. You might not be able to play the game or ever again. Reprogram. Chip. So chip. Yeah, just
0: wipe the RFID yeah. chip?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: There's got to be something in there. You could have some RFID scanner to just scan the RFID chip before you put it in the disk, put it in their plate, and then we want to sell it. Just pull it back out again, wipe it, and reload it with the previous information. Yep. That just seems easy-peasy.
1: Problem solved. (laughs) A simple technology that GameStop could own in the back of the store. Right. The end. (laughs) So... Still, I, I do agree that even with that, it's more of a pain in the butt to not be able to take a game to your friend's house. And play it there. And play it there.
2: Yeah, I, I really don't see it. Like, particularly for that, I don't see this happening.
0: Well, what about Steam, how we currently have that? Granted, you Steam could is, log log the other person out of their Steam account, log into your Steam account, download and install the game. And then play it. And then play it. Yeah. I mean, Andy, how often
2: do you take a PC game from one person's house to the other? Right. Not very often. Right. Because you have to download and install. Yeah. So,
0: <laughs> Land parties? Nobody Nobody shows up to a LAN party without a computer.
2: Yeah, it's called Bring Your Own PC for a reason.
0: Yeah. That's never really been much of an issue. That was the closest I could think of actually doing this in real life. That everyone would bring their own PlayStations? Yeah. Oh, speaking of PlayStation, the end is nigh for the PS2. The, yes, PS2 has stopped production in Japan. Finally, after, what, 12 years? 13 something years? Close something close to that. Something, yeah, something huge. The PS2 is finally done, you know what that means. PS4.
2: You know what that means.
0: e 3 is going to be crazy this year.
2: Andy's buying me dinner.
0: <laughs> Wait, there was one about the PS4?
2: Well, it, Andy, think about it. If the PS4 is announcing, do you really think Xbox is going to sit there and do nothing? No. No. <laughs> I don't believe we made one about the PS4. In fact, I think I had said that Microsoft was going to beat Sony to the announcement. Probably. but And and that the PS4 wouldn't be announced at... Uh, oh, no, 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 no. I did say it was going to be announced this year. We didn't have a bet. I said both Microsoft and Sony will announce at E3 this year. Microsoft will be ready for the holidays this year. Sony might not be in that. They might do it in Q2 of next year to try and catch the summer and then have it out there for a couple months so that they can drop the price for the holidays.
0: The question is, do you think all that stuff will happen? Just move it a year later? What do you mean move it a year later? Well what you said about last year no that that's what I'm saying oh you're saying for this year for 2013 so yeah, in my that, head when you say this year I still sometimes think no, 2012 it's, it's
2: 2013 Andy I i meant this year and even last year I kind of meant this year as in this cycle with E3 2013 being the next E3 mm. but yeah that's that's kind of what I see as happening Okay. and everything so far is supporting it Andy's buying Dave dinner. Andy's buying
0: Dave dinner.
1: Take him to McDonald's, Andy. (laughs) Fuck that, I'm going to the chop house.
0: I'll take him to Panera Bread. Thanks,
2: Andy. Here you go. I will get the largest salad you have ever seen.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'd like a salad order for 20. (laughs) So, Panera, do you do catering?
2: (laughs) Yes,
1: they do.
0: At Panera prices too. Oh,
2: mm. yeah. Well, so Andy, perhaps not Panera bread. Let's. God, I, I think
0: the usual spot would be just fine. Now I had to do. Um, I told you about the one time over Christmas last year where I helped out with the uh, extreme couponing show. Yes. On TLC. Uh-huh. Yes, you. Went I was a gopher for that, so I had to order all the meals. You know how hard it is to order meals for about twenty people at Panera Bread. Mm. Oh, God! It
1: takes forever.
0: Yep. Yeah. I'm They're sorry. like, don't come back without the food. And I'm like, I'm not going to be back for like an hour. I'm going to call Olga's Kitchen, try and see if I could place a reservation for 20 people in their little tiny thing yeah, at that's the mall. A <laughs> that's not, no. <laughs> not going to happen. Nope. All right. Well, we've hit the hour, so we need to switch over to random review. Okay. Right. Uh, it's my week, which I'm also glad that Austin is on here so I could talk to somebody else film related about this. Sure. Because, uh, you know, that's, I'll just go get like a soda from the fridge or something. Well, no, you also saw this as <laughs> well. Really, so it's I'm good not to wanted see- here. But you are also not as film geeky as us two. Austin, have you seen The Hobbit, the new one that just came out?
1: I have not. I oh. have not seen The Hobbit. But, uh-huh. <laughs> but, but, yeah, but you're going to talk about... Uh, forty uh, forty-eight, 48 frames, frames per, per, second. per second. Right. Yep. Yeah.
0: That's why we're also reviewing it this late. Is because I wanted to see. I normally like seeing things the way the director intended you to see it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Hence why I went to go see Batman: The Dark Knight Rises. Whoa! 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 whoa. whoa. Wait a minute. You
2: like to see things the way the director intended. Yes. Right. Did you see Avatar? No.
0: Did you see I, Dark I Knight in 3D? No, I saw it with the IMAX. I wanted to go see uh, Mission Impossible in the IMAX, too.
2: Yeah, it was so protocol. Kate, Kate is agreeing with me. Um, Andy's saying, I want to see it the way the director intended, yet they never see things in 3D. <laughs> Andy, what 3D, besides The Hobbit, prior to The Hobbit, because you were forced to. What other movies have you seen in 3D, which is is the way the director intended it?
0: Uh, not always. Sometimes the 3D Andy? is a studio requirement. Did
2: you see Avengers?
0: No, that one was not actually originally intended to be Bullshit. in 3D. Oh shit, Joss Whedon loved it. He loved it, but he was not originally thinking about doing it in 3D. That was a studio decision in the post-process, if I remember correctly. Mm-mm.
2: He made a conscious decision to do the post-processing. He chose not to shoot it in 3D, but because he doesn't like the 3D shots, he prefers
0: the post. Go listen to the extended commentary. Well, I'll have to do that now that we have it on Blu-ray. <laughs> yeah, we're extremely dubious Is of Marvel's, Marvel's, it's, it's, Marvel's it's, it's, it's plan, plan to convert the movie into 3D in post-production. So let's turn to director Joss Whedon for some insurances. He did not... He did not plan the movie to be in 3D. -hmm. He did not shoot it in 3D. The 3D was Marvel's idea to make some more money. That's it. That's all the 3D was. Okay. Go listen to the director commentary. I want to, but I haven't gotten to it yet. But from his previous statements during the process of filming it, it was not supposed to be 3D. Okay. I'll go listen to the commentaries and probably be like, you were right. Yeah, we yeah. should listen to the commentary. Yes, I know.
2: You you should also, you know, see Avatar.
1: Mm-hmm. Now that I did see Avatar IMAX 3D. Mm-hmm. Didn't see it that
0: way, but I know. But that was part of my statement <laughs> of like, I really don't like. Andy was boycotting
2: Avatar because of the 3D.
1: But that was that was the draw of the movie. <laughs> I don't. Not only like that was one of the best implementations of
0: 3D I've ever seen. I know right? that's like saying that I too. don't like rock and roll, hence I'm not going to listen to the Beatles. Yeah, it's one of those things where my yeah hatred no, against it's, an it's object kind of kept me from. I don't like from... rock and roll. It's I don't like stereo sound. <laughs> hey, the Beatles did a bunch of stuff in mono. They were one of the first mm-hmm. teams to. Yeah, they, I probably okay. So yeah, I would have listened to the Beatles, but of, then I wouldn't have listened to. Shoot, what was their first stereo album? I know A Hard Day's Night was mono. Good what? Morning was stereo. Was that their first one? I don't know if it was their first one, but it's one
2: of the early ones. Here we go. First, I love how Google Autofill <laughs> knows what you're going to search for.
0: Yeah. You are that predictable, Andy. The first ten Beatles albums were in mono. Help and Rubber Soul in their original stereo. Okay. So probably it was Help was the first one in stereo. Yeah, but that,
2: I mean, that's what it is. is it's, I don't like stereo, so I won't listen to the Beatles.
0: Anyway, can we get back to sure, the Hobbit, the Hobbit in 48 frames per second? Your first 3D movie. <laughs> Not my first 3D movie. What else have you seen in 3D? Uh, let's see. I saw Meet the Robinsons in 3D. I saw Robots in 3D. Despicable Me. Okay. I saw that in 3D. Okay. okay. Animated films, computer animated films are great so to do in 3D. So your first live action 3D easier. Oh, live action 3D besides The Hobbit uh, uh Superman movie that came out. We saw that at the IMAX in 3D. Ah, which ah. was horrible cuz we were stuck on the very end of a row. Oh, that's so it, good. If we were looking at it from an angle it was not good. No, no, no. Okay, Hobbit.
2: Yes, Hobbit. Hobbit.
0: 48 frames per second. It was yes. weird. Yes.
2: How weird, though. So, did it did it feel, at least for, like, the first 10 minutes, that everything was just moving faster than it should have? Yes. Like it was playing at one and a half speed?
0: Like, I was even trying to listen to the music to make sure that somehow the projector <laughs> was not, you know, going faster. Granted, it was a digital shoot, so... Yeah, but like
2: you, you, you want to watch their mouths and make sure they're syncing up.
0: Yeah, like I was listening to the music, watching their mouths and everything, thinking, I'm hoping this is not you know stuck on fast forward or
1: something.
0: <laughs> <laughs> now, most of the people who saw it, all the people who were complaining about the thing, said it was it looked too hyper realistic. It looked. Like you could see
2: I'm okay with that. That's just going to take some time for for the computer processing to catch up with.
0: Well, I couldn't actually like I was specifically looking at people's noses to see if I could see where the prosthetic nose and their actual nose (laughs) met. But I couldn't see that sort of stuff. That's That's
2: not what they're complaining. They're complaining about like when they're they're traveling in the rain. They're on the horses, they're in the line and they're going through the rain. If you watch, they're not really actually getting wet. Oh, you see I didn't notice uh, that. Uh, and you can actually see that. I mean if you if you watch for it, you can see like the rain isn't actually really falling on them. Huh.
1: But it looks like real rain. Yeah. Uh, yes. No, it <laughs> looks like a sprinkler system.
0: <laughs> I do have to say some of the non action shots mm-hmm. looked fine. Especially like when they go into Riverdale the first time, like the nice Riven. big pullback pan shot. That looked great. Rivendell. Rivendell. What did I say? Riverdale. Yeah. Close enough.
2: Okay.
0: <laughs> Nerd rage. <laughs> if I was a rich man. La 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 la. No singing. bad. <laughs> oh, nobody's told us that for five and
2: a half years.
0: <laughs> but yeah, the actual action scenes—it for the first ten minutes, everything just looked wrong. When people were moving around, when he was walking around his little hobbit hole. It, everything was... Yeah, Yeah, it just but did not for, look... For real
2: action scenes, like absolute intense action scenes, like in the, the cave,
0: the goblin cave, what did you think about it there? I swear, everybody just seemed like they were moving too quickly. I don't know what it... it, it they it sh- it, it also looked jerkier, which shouldn't be right, because 48 frames per second should give you a higher refresh rate, therefore everybody should look smoother. Well, I... So some of this is your brain doing some of the processing. I know, it, and my brain was not working right. I, like, in my head, I'm going, this should be better, but it's not. not. What is going yeah. on? Interesting.
2: The one real advantage I found to it was in those high-paced, very quick scenes where the camera is cutting from angle to, angle to angle to angle to angle to angle to angle. You know the scenes that I'm talking about, right? Yeah. I mean, they're in any sort of action movie. And Austin, you know those scenes. Like, you don't know. Yeah, I know, it, no, you I know, know exactly stuff. what you mean. Right.
1: Yeah. right.
2: It, it's hard to track that at 24 frames per second. Mm-hmm. It it takes a lot of, you know, takes actual effort to track it and see what's going on. In 48 frames, that was, it was easy. It was easy to see it. It was easy to catch all the detail and understand
0: what was happening. Now, the one plus I do have to say about this was also the um normally we have three when things are in 3d they have to shoot show each frame independently and you've got the glasses and so everything doesn't look as bright everything looks a little dull Mm -hmm. everything you know is not as crisp as it could be if you were just watching it in 2d Mm -hmm. but with 48 frames per second they could flip the 3d images quicker and so it I didn't actually, after a while, you know, after watching like two hours of 3D movies, even animated ones, start to get a little bit of a headache from watching it. I was fine the entire time watching that in 3D, no problem. Cool.
1: Now, I was going to see if you were going to touch on this, because that's the whole idea by moving to 48 frames per second, is that you have, because of that faster refresh rate, you have to brighten the image on the screen, so it's easier for your eye to watch it, and you don't get that, you don't get the headache, not to mention that su- the special effects are supposed to be better just because you have less blurring. There's less, there's less blurring of the special effects so that they look crisper, realer, crisper on the screen. And it- I think it's really funny that you say on the one hand, yes, it's brighter so it doesn't hurt my eyes. But on the other hand, it looks even more unreal than real. Yeah, um, that is interesting. I, I think actually I know what it is. I've got
2: it. I've got it, I got it. It's the uncanny valley. I was just about, yes, yeah. I agree with you. I was going there too. It's the too. uncanny valley. Yep. Yeah. It's that it's, it's so close to being real but still fake that your brain rejects it.
1: Now, there's a guy who has a theory about how to, um, how to beat this. It is more expensive, so Hollywood will never do it. But um, this is the, uh, the same guy that directed uh, Silent Running. And um, his theory was that what you do is you do an avatar-like shoot. You shoot it all green screen with actors. And then afterwards, once you have all your shots in, you actually build 3D models, actual physical models that you then reshoot to match the action with the actors so you have real things behind them, if that makes any sense. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. If that makes any sense, but it's it's like instead of having a graphic, a computer graphic thing, you actually are filming a hard object. Yeah. And therefore, all the lighting is exact and it looks real because it is a real thing. Well,
2: why That's Why not it. just, if if you're going to make the object, <laughs> why not make the object and film
1: the actors with it? Because this stuff is like miniatures. We're talking.
2: Oh, okay. They're talking so you don't have to build talking. a full-size
1: <laughs> Yeah. I see right um, 3D course, printers could could certainly simplify that, make it much easier. could help out and it, it's really funny because when you start talking along those lines, the question well is that well, obviously making the physical objects of things is far more expensive but the but the counter to that is yes but. Your film is going to look really good in five years, whereas the thing that was made in the computer is not, because the technology just keeps getting better.
0: It's just like watching the original Tron. Yeah. When it first came out, it was amazing, but now you look at it, you're like, uh...
2: I still think it's amazing, thank you very much. Yes, I know. Really dark. (laughs) Like, visually dark. Like, it's hard to see faces. Yeah. But... Yeah. That and last Starfighter man those were, were fantastic movies.
0: <laughs> right, so Hobbit 48 frames per second it i I don't think it worked. I think it, it's something different and something new, but it wasn't worth the IMAX price, the 3D because you know the IMAX upgrade price and the 3D upgrade price mm-hmm. Just wasn't worth the extra money. I almost just want to go see it again when it hits the Fmg price, just to watch it in two D to see how it looks.
1: Okay. and I mean, and you know, there is a difference between planning and shooting things in four three D yeah. and then converting it later. Um, and you can mm-hmm. kind of tell those movies. I, for some unknown reason, I ended up seeing Judge Dread in three D. Oh, don't first a hey, don't see that movie and. <laughs> and, and, and B, there was no reason for it to be in 3D because yep. for over – for three-fourths of the movie, you're in small, compact, tight corridors inside of a building. Yep. So there's, there's no depth <laughs> through most of the movie That's what I was also anyway. noticing.
0: Some, with some of the scenes – actually, most of the scenes – every once in a while – if I'm curious how much 3D they're actually using, I'll actually, every once in a while, I'll just take my glasses off. Because then mm-hmm. you can tell exactly what's supposed to be in 3D and what really isn't. Because you see all the characters. Mm-hmm. The characters look normal, if you, even if you take off the 3D glasses. But the background looks like crazy. You're like, okay, so the characters aren't 3D. The background is moved way behind them right. to give it a 3D depth. Most yeah, of the stuff parents. in The Hobbit was not really 3D. If that makes any sense. Well, but it's, it's the subtle application of it. Yeah. Which really actually helps make it stronger. It's not the guy in the... was the old 1950s thing where the guy would... It was a 3D movie and they had some yo-yo juggler on. And so the guy was like throwing the yo-yos at the camera. <laughs> it's a pretty good gimmick, but I think after about 30 seconds, everybody would be over it. But still, there wasn't, yep. wasn't overly 3D. We're uh, piranha 3D. Oh, God. 3D. <laughs> right. Random D. topic. Yeah. Come on.
1: Yeah.
0: All right, random topic. Let's wrap this up. Rolled ahead of time. What is the closest you have ever come to killing a person? Driving a car.
2: <laughs> Having been in, in, I think, at least two accidents, Ooh. That that would be the closest I think I've ever gotten to killing someone.
1: So uh, one day I was leaving, I just shipped some packages at the post office, got back in my car, and my dad calls me, so I'm on the phone with my dad, I stop at a stop sign, I start to roll, and about four seconds later I realize there's somebody trying to walk in front of my car. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Yeah, stop short, enough, but I think that's the closest.
0: What about you, Andy? Andy? Um, well, most of the times that I've come close to killing up somebody, it's probably been me. <laughs> <laughs> killing yourself. <laughs> I've fallen out of trees. Electric, oh yeah. Okay, so I was mowing the lawn with an electric lawnmower, so it was attached to an extension cord. Mm-hmm. And without you realizing over the cord? it, I ran over the cord. So... The mower had stopped and I thought, hey, maybe I accidentally just got a caught or something and unplugged it. So I would go reach down to grab the extension cord to see if it's loose or something. And I grabbed the part oh. that I cut. Oh. And so I connected the circuit. <laughs> That's ten nice, volts. I had a nice, you know, um black mark across my hand. Now were you were you in series or parallel? Um, well, a little bit of both because I had connected the two because it had shut off because I had broken the connection. But when I grabbed the cord, I connected that with my hand. So technically, I was in series. Okay, and you got a black mark from it being in series because it went through. It went in one side of my hand and yeah, went out, out the, the
2: other.
1: Because
2: <laughs> I've I've done something very similar at Zone We had a, an old police light, you know, just a little spinning light. Uh, and the cord had gotten frayed, and i hadn 't realized it. Oh, I guess I was technically in parallel at that point then well, it's, again it 's kind of both where it was uh the cord had frayed, so I was touching the raw wire beneath it, but it wasn 't it was still a complete circuit, even without me gotcha but yeah just, there there was a definite tingle there 's a definite like something 's not right up there oh there 's nothing over the cord. <laughs>
1: so Andy, though, i think the intent of the question was you killing somebody else not entirely yep. yourself so the
2: the other interpretation is not actually how close have you gotten to killing someone but how close have you gotten to wanting to kill someone <laughs> <laughs> and i expect that i've driven andy myself close to that point several times over the course of six years so we have a very love-hate relationship <laughs> yeah this
0: is a good we're, we're friends yeah, I just it's here. I don't know how it works, but somehow it does. <laughs> I feel like it adds a dichotomy to the podcast.
2: Yes, yes. There's, there's a. I mean, it, it's a banter. It's yes, back and forth. It's, if we agreed on every incredible. issue, this would be the most boring podcast
0: in the world. Correct. But I'm um, going back to the almost killing other people. There was the time I uh, definitely sleep deprived and driving. During the CCST. Yep. Yeah, that was bad. You almost took a couple people with you on that one. Yeah.
2: Oh, man.
0: (laughs) That's that's about as close as I think I've gotten, though. It's driving. Yeah. But really wanting to wring somebody's neck. There was Chris Gula in high school.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah.
0: Because he broke into my car and stole the stereo faceplate out of there. He did. Yeah, and I oh, don't. Did you leave a note? As a prank, or as, yeah, as I ghost like sell this? No, no, he was doing it as a prank. But okay, Kate was there when I came back into the band room. Okay, was at the car. Oh yeah, Kate. That's like the only time she's seen that I have had like blood in my eyes. Yeah. Okay. Beyond that, no. I well, think well, that's, that's about it. Oh, and he's pretty a- laid back now. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Andy's a nice guy. What can I say?
0: Yeah.
2: Okay. Well Austin, thank yes, you so it. much for for being on. We do per- uh, have the, the last second pimp whatever you want to pimp.
1: Alright. So, so you have to it- send people to. Sure. Once again, you can visit our site. Uh, you can visit our website. We're on Facebook. It's Doctor Witz. That's W I C T Z. You just Google it, you'll find us. Uh, and then just have to say, once again, Unpub 3, January 19th and 20th in at the St. Thomas More Academy in Dover, Delaware. If you're in the area, come on down. You'll have a good time.
0: Uh, all right. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Andy, thank you.
1: Thank you, Brad.
0: Another show is done. We're out. This has been another episode of the Random Access Podcast.